Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. What is going on, Cornerstone Church? How are you guys doing wherever you're at? Why don't you make some noise and scare your neighbors? Yeah. If you're excited to worship, scare your neighbors, scare your kids, right? Scare your dog in the name of the Lord and making a joyful noise today. Hey, let us know where you're watching from too. Let us know if you're, you know, if you're in Portage Lakes, my Portage Lakes people, if you're in Canton, if you're in Ellet, Talmadge, you know, Magador, wherever you're at, let us know in the comments below. We, like we heard during the pre, we have people watching us all over the place, even further out, not even just like further out Ohio, like South Africa, it's crazy, right? But we have people further out in Ohio watching this too. We have some Youngstown people, some Toledo people, which I had to, I had to say this because I saw this online not too long ago and it just made me laugh. It's kind of mean, but mean can be funny sometimes, right? Mean can be funny. Um, I saw this joke. It said, y'all need to quit naming your kids London and Paris when we know they look a whole lot more like Youngstown and Toledo. And I, it's mean, but you know what? I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think we just lost viewership in Youngstown and Toledo right now, didn't we? Their numbers are just falling off at the moment. But hey, look, I am, what am I even supposed to be doing up here? Oh, that's right. Preaching. Preaching, right? Yeah. Hey, I am excited for this series that we are starting today, this brand new series, Better Than the Bible. Uh, This is a series we almost changed the name on. Like we almost changed the name because it was a little inflammatory, right? So whenever we're talking about it, we're discussing what we should name the series. Uh, Better Than the Bible came up and me and Pastor Brenda were talking it over and, you know, we're like kind of batting back and forth. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this just feels a little, and I'm like, I, I know, I know. And I was thinking, I mean, we probably have people watching right now who are thinking that, like, better than the Bible. What's better than the Bible? There's nothing better than the Bible. They're already upset, right? And it's that exact thought process that made us go, yeah, we have to keep that. <laughs> like we, we have to keep this title better than the Bible because we don't wanna just spoon feed easy stuff. Sometimes bold statements are good. Right? Sometimes bold statements are good because they force us to challenge our preconceptions about things. They challenge us to think about things in a new way. And that's what I want us to do in this series. I want us to rethink the way we look at the Bible. Now, I'm going to say this from the onset. There may be some points during my sermon today where you go, is he a pastor? Does he like the Bible? Does he believe the Bible? (laughs) I will go ahead and answer all those right now. Yes, yes, and yes. All right, yes, I am a pastor. Yes, I love the Bible. I believe it is God's word. It's God's inspired word. It's how we learn about him. It's how we learn about Jesus. It's how we learn about the Holy Spirit. It's how we learn about our true selves. I am completely on board there. So if you're feeling like, hey, I wanna go and burn him at the stake, or I wanna take his pastor's card away, just whenever those moments come, just go, He believes in the Bible. We're good, right? We're all tracking along on the same page. We're good. 
And then the last thing I want to say real quick before we hop into the meat of today's sermon is, of course, this is for everybody. Like, of course, the sermon is for everyone. But there's specifically two groups that I really, really want to hone in on. Okay, two groups. The first one is new believers. If you're someone who has recently decided to start following Jesus, you've put your faith in him, I'm talking to you today. And that doesn't even mean like you just recently, like a month ago, started following or even a year ago. I'm talking about people who have been following Jesus for like 10 years, but you're really, really trying for the first time in a long time. And so you're kind of new again. So I'm talking to you. And then I'm also talking to people who are skeptical, people who are skeptical about faith, people who are like, I don't really know about this Jesus thing. I don't know about Christianity. I'm just, I feel uncertain about a lot of it. So I'm talking to you as well. So if you have any friends, family, coworkers, anything like that, that meet either of those descriptions, I'm going to pause right now for five seconds so you can click below, click the share button, get this on your timeline, and share it with them. Go, go right ahead. I'm not moving forward until you share, okay? So we're just going to pause for five seconds real quick, all right? So. <laughs> hey, welcome to all of our new viewers who have just <laughs> tuned in to Cornerstone today. Uh, we're in this new series, Better Than the Bible, and I want us to start off with a, a thought that I had uh, as I was studying for this uh, sermon. More often than not, more often than not, it feels like our pull towards Jesus and our pull towards Christianity is an emotional pull, not so much a logical pull, right? It's, it's about emotion. It's about an emotional pull that we have. Uh, think about it. Maybe you're someone who, you know, you used to be an alcoholic. You joined an AA group. It meets at a church, right? You're doing the steps. You start believing in a higher power. You, you start to break that addiction. And so you're like, hey, th this worked, like Jesus worked, this emotional pull that you have because Jesus worked in your life. And you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna follow what he says because this worked for me, right? It's an emotional pull. Or maybe, you know, you, you've, you've gone through a messy divorce, right? And the kids got involved and it was bad. I mean, it was just, it, it tore you apart. It literally felt like you were ripped in two. And you hear your friend mention, hey, there's a divorce care group at my church. And so you start going to it and you start feeling yourself becoming a whole person again. You're like, man, even though this was so devastating, even though this was so hard, I feel like I'm becoming myself again. And you thank Jesus for it because again, Jesus worked, right? It's an emotional pull. Maybe you've gone through a death of a loved one. Man, we've had this happen at Cornerstone all the time because our funeral team are rock stars. Like they are complete and utter rock stars. And so I always joke, Cornerstone puts on a heck of a funeral. Like we just do. Like no one does funerals like Cornerstone does funerals. And so people come to our church in the midst of the loss of a loved one and they feel loved. They feel valued. They feel like God cares about them. And so Jesus works for them in that moment. And they start coming to church and they put their faith in Jesus again because of this emotional pull, not logical. I, I would, I'm not kidding. I would venture to say I can count on one hand the people I know who started following Jesus out of a purely logical background. Like, I just don't know that many people who, you know what, I just came into a situation and I thought I'm going to study every world religion. And as I read the Hebrew scriptures and I read the, the Christian New Testament, I started to realize the, the, the logical soundness of all of this. Everything made perfect sense the way it all lined up. And I didn't find a single thing in it that, was a, that felt weird or challenged me in any way. That's why I believe. That's why I believe in Jesus. I just, I don't know that many people. Maybe you do. I doubt you do though. Because the main pull, the main pull for all of us is emotional, not logical. And there is nothing wrong with that. That makes sense because every relationship that you have started from an emotional pull. 
right? Like, I mean, me and my wife, Jessica, just yesterday, we celebrated 10 years uh, of marriage. And whenever we, hey, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we celebrated 10 years of marriage. And whenever we first started dating, it, it was all this, not this, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't logically thinking like, oh, here, here's a girl. She has good genes. And let me see. Let's, let's see like how, how our futures line up. This is what our income will look like in 10 years. This is how many kids we would have. And this is... That wasn't happening. Like, I was a 19-year-old guy. That is probably the last thing on my mind, right? <laughs> Can I get an, a, an amen right there? It, it's, all, it's all emotional, right? It's all, it's emotional. It's, wow, she's really pretty and she's funny. You want to go get food? Like, that, that's, that's what it was. It was an emotional pull. And it's not just in our romantic relationships. It's in our friendships, too. It's an emotional pool that we have. You don't put like buddies or people who are around you into an Excel spreadsheet to see like, let me analyze who I would get along best with logically. Like you don't do that. Our relationships are built off of our emotions. So our pull to Jesus, our pull to Christianity, our pull to the Bible is an emotional one. It is not logical. Emotion is enough, which is great. I love emotions. They're God-given. They're an amazing thing. But what is bad is whenever emotions are the end of it. We just leave it at emotions. Emotions are enough and they'll always be enough because that's not true. And you know it's not true because eventually tough questions come up in the middle of a relationship, right? Tough questions come up and we kill ourselves if we do not resolve those tough questions. We just kill ourselves. You know what happens in relationships. Oh man, I'm going out with this guy. Things are going so good and it's awesome. And man, he's so kind. He's so loving and blah, 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 blah. And then you start talking to your friend about him. And then before too long comes up that he, he's like looking for jobs out of state. And your friend's like, whoa, whoa. Like you're, you are a diehard family person. Like you've told me you're never moving like within a five mile radius of the rest of your family. Isn't that gonna be weird? And you're like, la, 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 nope, nope, can't hear you. I don't wanna talk about it. Tough question. I don't wanna hear it, right? Because your emotions are just overriding it. But if we ignore tough questions, we ignore them to our own peril. We don't resolve tough questions about our faith. A lot of us just don't. We just don't. We think, you know what? Jesus worked and that's enough. I don't know, tough questions. I don't need to hear. Nope, I don't need to hear. I don't need to know what's in the Bible that is kind of uneasy. I don't need to know what the Bible said about slavery sometimes. I don't need to know what the Bible said about women. I don't, I don't need to know that because Jesus worked. That's it. That's all I need to know. I don't need to ask any more questions. I don't need to dive any deeper than that. I think about uh, just, just recently at uh, my house, you know, we've been trying to not lose our sanity under uh, lockdown. The girls, uh, you know, were just being normal six and four-year-old girls, just going crazy, right? Just running around the house, singing every Frozen song and every Trolls World Tour song. You can imagine just at the top of their lungs and they're having Alexa sing it and just like, oh, this is crazy. And so we told them, like, girls, please, please just go downstairs, please. Like, we'll pay you money. Just go downstairs. Just give us a little tiny break, just a little one. And so they go downstairs and it didn't help. Like, it just didn't help. Like, there's still, you hear the sound coming up. They're just, yeah, like singing and yelling. And we're like, oh, please just be quiet. And then suddenly, silence. There's nothing, just no noise. I didn't say anything. And Jessica didn't say anything. <laughs> it's just quiet downstairs. It's real quiet. We're both just kind of sitting there. We're, I got the TV on and it's on real low. Jessica's holding Griffin. I'm on my phone. And she just says, it's really quiet down there, isn't it? <laughs> right? I can see all the parents are tracking with me. She said, it's really quiet, isn't it? I said, yeah, it's, it's real quiet down there. We pause and she says, 
don't you wonder what's happening? I said, yeah, but not enough to go down there. <laughs> like, I am not introducing a, a new thing into their environment and suddenly, hey, dad's here, everybody, dad's here, woo, woo. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> because you know what? It worked and that's enough. <laughs> the girls went downstairs and they were quiet. That's enough. I don't need to know why. I don't care why they're quiet. I don't know what they're doing down there and I could care less because they were quiet. It worked and that's all that mattered, right? I don't need to answer these tough questions about the Bible. I don't, I don't need to know because Jesus worked. I broke my addiction. My family was healed. My relationships were restored. That's enough, right? Isn't emotion enough? Isn't just my emotion and hey, everything's going good. Isn't that enough for my faith? In fact, some of us, not only do we just say, hey, that's enough. We say that's enough and don't bring anything else up. Do not bring the tough questions up. Don't talk to me about anything that would make me feel uneasy or queasy or get me out of this. Just, hey, everything's up into the right mindset. We avoid them. We push them out of the way. Tough questions like six days of creation. That's, that's a tough question. Six days of creation? Like, really? Like six literal 24-hour periods? How, how does that work? What does that look like? A worldwide flood? Really? Like, Really? Especially, I mean, if we look at the Bible's genealogy, not like that awful long ago in world history, a worldwide flood, every area of the world covered in water. Really, that's, that's a tough question. Jonah and the whale, like really? Like a, a man was swallowed by a fish, lived in there for three days and then was spit up on land. Like, really? Those are tough questions. Those are tough questions. And you want to know what? Mr. Christian, who's out there watching with your arms crossed saying, well, the Bible says it, and those aren't tough. You just need to believe. You know what? Those may not be tough questions for you. You know who those are a tough question for, though? Your daughter at college. That's who that's a tough question for. Because she has a professor who is poking holes in every single one of these things. You know who that's a tough question for? Your son. Or it's a tough question for the guy your daughter is about to start dating. And you could care less because, hey, hey, Jesus worked. That's enough for me. I don't need to know anything else. I don't want to talk about anything else. Come on. These questions matter. Yep. You, emotions are great, but eventually you got to resolve some of this stuff. You have to have some kind of answers for some of these things. You need to know what your faith is founded on because even if it doesn't affect your faith, it's going to affect someone's faith around you. Yes. You may, may make heaven. Your daughter may not. That should scare you. <laughs> that should scare me. That should make me go, you know what? Maybe emotions are enough. Maybe I should be asking myself some of these tough questions and actually looking into them a little bit more. And guess what? It actually might affect you one day because Jesus has worked for you, yes, but what if he doesn't work in a way that you like? What if he does something that you don't totally agree with? What if a diagnosis does come back and it's not what you hoped it was? What if your finances do fall through the floor? What if your job that has been spared throughout this pandemic so far suddenly is up on the cutting table? Then Jesus isn't working anymore. Then all of a sudden the stuff in here that you never really cared about, you're going, huh, well, I have a little bit more of a skeptical eye of this stuff all of a sudden. Suddenly, I'm not too sure what this does say. Suddenly, I'm wondering, well, was it Jesus and the Bible working or was that good diagnosis in the past, was that really me putting in hard work and working with my doctors? Was that really Jesus and my faith in the Bible that was working or, or did I just really study hard for that test and that's why I did good? It, 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 it's important. <laughs> it's important we address these tough questions in here. I'm actually going to grab something real quick. Let's see if I don't drop it on the way up. All right. Ooh, yeah. There we go. 
I was about to call this Jumanji. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was about to call it Jumanji. I've got Jumanji here. No, this is Jenga. This is Jenga. (laughs) So whenever I was studying for this sermon, I'm like, man, I feel like a lot of us, the way we view the Bible is a lot like this. It's a lot like Jenga. It's a lot like this game because it looks pretty solid. Like, I mean, you know, it's not really, I was able to move it up here without it falling. It's pretty solid. It's not really going anywhere. But once we start having these tough questions come up that we've never addressed, we've always just pushed them off because Jesus has worked and the Bible has worked, right? I mean, I know Jesus worked and the Bible is like his autobiography, right? So it must be good. It must, it must work too. So it's always worked. But then when things don't start working anymore, when things start getting hard, suddenly those tough questions you never addressed, they start bubbling up to the surface. And so you do think to yourself, wow, six days of creation. Yeah, that is kind of a, that's a hard thing to, you know, I, I just don't know how that would work. Um, but maybe, you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't affect everything, right? It doesn't affect everything. But yeah, a worldwide flood. I mean, I've seen some of the evidence and I don't really know if that actually is a possibility. So, wow, that's kind of hard. But you know what? That doesn't affect everything either, right? I, I still have faith. <laughs> still believe in, I still believe in the Bible. Still believe in Jesus. But then thing after thing starts happening and suddenly it's not just questions like that about the Bible. It's, man, I'm dating this girl and what did God really say about sex outside of marriage? Do I really need to follow that? Because I mean, this other stuff wasn't really accurate, right? Yeah, and... Oh, you know, and what the Bible says about divorce and what the Bible says about anger. And suddenly, the more and more blocks we take out, the less stable our faith is until eventually that happens. Until eventually our faith falls off a cliff. And we're left with nothing. We are left with nothing. And you want to know what's scary? This faith in the Bible this faith that we have in the Bible, it is gone. And along with it, our faith in Jesus is gone. And our belief in Jesus is gone. Because what we have done as the capital C big church for years is we have made the Bible and Jesus synonymous. We've made them the same thing. It's almost like the Bible is the fourth member of the Trinity, that we have the Father, the Spirit, uh, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and, and the Word, right? We, we have literally deified the Bible. We have made it the fourth member of the Trinity. And so it's synonymous with Jesus. I mean, think about how we talk about the Bible. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I believe in the Bible. The Bible says it, that settles it. These are like things we would say about like Jesus, right? Or the Father, or the Holy Spirit. Right. And I get it. It's God's word. I know you might be thinking, man, isn't this just semantics? It's really not. It's really not. It's important how we say things. And here's a big reason why. Because most people, and if you care about people making heaven, you care about people seeing their lives changed by following Jesus, then this should matter. Most people, when it comes to believing in Jesus, to loving Jesus, to thinking Jesus was an amazing person, they're not skeptical of him at all. Like if we would just do a random public poll of the sentiment regarding Jesus from just random people, not Christians, just random people, most people would say, yeah, he was a good guy. Like, I don't, I don't know if he was God, but I think he was a great teacher. I think the stuff that he said was awesome. I think the way he cared for women, the way he cared for poor people, all of those things is incredible. Like, I, I, I love that about him. But ask a public poll, what do people think about this? What do they think about the Bible? And suddenly there's a lot more skepticism. 
There's a lot more, ooh, I, I don't know. There's some crazy stuff in there. There's prophets telling bears to come chase these kids. And there's, you know, there's some wild stuff in there. I don't really know about that. But people love Jesus. But whenever we make the Bible synonymous with Jesus, suddenly we are forcing people to be skeptical about Jesus. So they don't just stop believing in the Bible. They stop believing in Jesus because they feel like, well, if I have any questions with this, that means I must have questions with Jesus. If there's anything in here I can't reconcile, then I can't reconcile Jesus either. We have ruined people. We have turned so many people away from the faith over the years because we have done that, because we have made Jesus and the Bible completely synonymous. We've told them, you want Jesus? Believe every word. You want to follow him? You better follow every single letter in here. Believe it. Believe it's completely inerrant. And you want to know the craziest part about it? This is just, this is nuts whenever you think about it. That's what we tell people. We tell people, believe every word. It's inerrant. It's infallible. it's, It's perfect. It's literally the word of God. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to believe every word. And most of us haven't read it. Think about that for a second. The Bible, we believe every word of it, but we haven't read even a third of it. (laughs) You know, most Christians have not even read a third of scripture. Yet we're telling people, yep, every word in here, trustworthy and right and true. There's not a period or a comma that's out of place in here. Oh, really? Have you read it? A few verses. I'm on a reading plan. I'm on a reading plan. I've read a few verses here and there. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. We, we make Jesus and the Bible synonymous. We, we force people into this. You have, to, you have to instantly accept everything. There's no working up to it. Just instantly accept it. Jesus and the Bible do the same thing. And people are going, well, I, I'm going to tap out then. I'm going to tap out. And maybe that person will be you as you go through life and realize that Jesus doesn't always work in the way you think he's going to work. And so you start looking at it and you're going, well, maybe, yeah, maybe this whole thing is just really good tradition to follow. Because this is what happens. Whenever people fall, like I know that looked dramatic, right? It fell down. It's like, whoa, whoa, people become an atheist. They walk away from the faith. No, it's actually, it's not even that bad. It's worse. (laughs) People don't become an atheist and walk away from the faith. They still come to church. They just go through the motions. They're not actually all like rattle. They'll, yeah, rattle, rattle, but they're not believing it right? They're listening to the sermon and and they're just kind of checked out because they're just cultural Christians now. They'll go through the motions. It'll be part of their life, but it's just a part of their life. It's just a tradition that they'll hand on to their kids, but they don't actually believe anything in here. That's what ends up happening. So as we push off these tough questions, we never address them. The only person we are hurting is ourselves. We do it to our own detriment. We do it to our own peril. I, I can't even tell you how many people I have known who this has happened to. It's, it's, it's shocking. If you know someone, it, man, put it in the comments, put a little raised hand. If you know someone, the same thing. I, I could say name after name up here, and it's heartbreaking, of people who believed in Jesus, who Jesus worked for them at one time. The Bible worked for them. They started following, and then tough questions happened in life. They got a diagnosis they didn't think they were going to get. They did lose their job, and suddenly the skeptical eye comes, and well, I thought Jesus was going to do, I remember that verse. I remember, right? I, I remember it was in here. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know this was in here. Ooh, what, that too. And suddenly their faith starts deteriorating and deteriorating. And then suddenly you start realizing they're not at church anymore. You see them on faith, they're, they're just completely gone. They're just gone. It is heartbreaking and it happens all the time. There has to be something better. <laughs> there has to be something better. I, I love the Bible. I love scripture. It is God's word. It is inspired. But there's gotta be something better for us to hinge our faith on. 
There has to be something out there that is better that we can put our faith and we don't ever have to worry about it tumbling. We don't ever have to worry about any kind of question ever coming against it and making us go, ooh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I, how I can reconcile that. There has got to be something better. And I believe that scripture points us to something better. If you believe you need something better, put it in the comments, say, I need something better. I need something better because I don't know about you, but your pastor needs something better. I need something better. I want something that I can put my faith on, that I can put my family on, and I can point them to and say, nothing will shake this. Nothing will make this fall. Nothing will have me in doubt. That's the kind of faith I want. I want something better. And I believe scripture points us to something better. We're gonna be in John chapter six. I know you're like, man, we're like 25 minutes in this message. Dude hasn't even like used the Bible once. And it's a series on the Bible, right? We're, we're getting to the Bible now. So if you want to open up another tab, Get your physical Bible out. We're in John chapter six today. I'm gonna kind of skip through and give you a Cliff Notes version of the first uh, uh, verses here. But I believe that this set of verses is just such a, a perfect picture of what we've been talking about. Of people coming to Jesus out of emotion, tough questions come up, and then we're in the spot where it's so easy for us to leave the faith. So this is John chapter six. What we have in verses one through 14 is a miracle from Jesus. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Incredible story, right? Jesus takes a small amount of food and he multiplies it. Just miraculous. He multiplies it, feeds over 5,000 people who were there listening to him speak. Just an incredible moment. Scripture even says how people are crying out like, this man is a prophet. This is incredible what he's doing. I mean, imagine being there and seeing that happen. You'd be like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Jesus worked for me. Talk about an emotional moment. Talk about an emotional high. Could you imagine being there? I lose my mind whenever I'm watching like a magician do something. And that's, I know it's fake. Like if I saw some dude feed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves of bread and some fish, I would be I'm mind blown, right? Like incredible, such an emotional thing. He feeds the 5,000 people and all of these followers, all these disciples, they're witnesses to it. They see this happen. They're like, whoa, this is unbelievable. This is so cool. So then we skip to the very next set of verses. Verses uh, 15, through 25, Jesus does another miracle. He walks on water. Like he, he's like, oh, you thought the bread and the fish was cool. Watch this. And he walks on water again, blowing the mind of the people who are around him. Like this is unreal. Again, an emotional moment. Something that people are like, you can't even believe it. I'm calling my buddies up. I'm getting my phone out. I'm going to tell them like, you got to come down to the mount. You got to hear Jesus. This is unbelievable. The dude's making food and he's walking on water. Like this is, this is crazy. This guy is just unbelievable. You've got to come here. You've got to come. And then things take a shift. So Jesus, it's all these emotional moments. People, I can, I can see the scene. People being like, what's going on? What are we all watching? They're like, dude, this guy, he was just walking on water. This is crazy. Like you've got to come. He, he just fed people and you've just got to stay. See what's next. See what's next. So what's next? Jesus's words to the people. So Jesus shifts from miracle to miracle to teaching time. So he starts teaching. And it's a hard teaching. This is like the uh-oh moment, right? Where you've like told someone about a restaurant and you're like, it's so good. Then you go there and the service is awful and you're like, Ugh, they're having an off night, right? Like that's, that's what's happening with Jesus at this moment. Like all these people are like, dude, I'm so glad you got here. You just did all this cool stuff. And then Jesus starts teaching and they're like, yeah, it was, it was really cool just a little bit ago. You like just missed it. This is kind of, <laughs> I don't know. This is kind of weird, right? Because Jesus starts into this teaching and he just goes through it. I mean, for, from verses 26 through 59, 
It's all Jesus's words to these people, to this crowd that has come out of emotion, out of this is awesome, Jesus is working, he's doing amazing things. So this crowd comes and Jesus starts laying on him this hard teaching, this confusing teaching, this teaching that is bringing up all kinds of tough questions. Wait, what did he say? Huh? I mean, that doesn't make sense. All these tough questions start popping up all over the place as Jesus teaches the people. Suddenly, the, think about this. Suddenly, the very same people who had just seen this man multiply food and walk on water are going, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> I don't know about this guy because some of the stuff he's saying, it's just, it's not working for me. Jesus, you may have worked for me, but now it's not working for me. Like the vibe here has changed. <laughs> like you, you're, you're doing something I don't really know and I don't agree with. So suddenly, the whole tone shifts. And listen what John records in verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? How can anyone accept it? Other translations say, this is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. This is confusing. This, I, I don't, I'm not able to wrap my mind around this. Can you just start doing some more tricks? Can you make some more food? Can you do stuff that makes me feel good? Because I gotta be honest, some of the stuff you're laying on me now, it's, it's confusing. It's confusing. I don't know where you're going with this. How can anyone accept it? Maybe you've felt this way. Maybe you've uttered this same phrase when you've read scripture and you start seeing, wait, the Bible says what about sex outside marriage? Like never, nothing? Wow, this is hard teaching. How can anyone accept that? Wait, the Bible says what about, what about forgiveness? Forgive as you've been forgiven? Ooh. Well, man, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what people said about me. You don't know the rumors they've said. How, how can anyone accept that? There's a lot of teachings. There is a lot of things. There are a lot of questions in scripture that are tough. And maybe you have been in the same position as many of his disciples saying, man, this is a hard teaching. This stuff in here, this is hard. How can anyone accept it? How can anyone believe it? How can anyone follow it. And then one of the saddest verses in all of scripture follows up in verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. At this point, many of the people who had seen the miracles, they had seen him work, they had seen him move, stopped following Jesus. They turned away. There were just too many questions, too many things that were unresolved that they just could not reconcile. Maybe this verse is describing you. Maybe this verse is describing your, your friend, your, your classmate, your, your coworker, your dad, your brother, your sister, your mom. They, they just, they couldn't reconcile. So they turned away and deserted him. Again, not in a big, I'm an atheist now moment, but just uh, that church stuff, it doesn't really work. That Bible stuff, you know, it's good for morality, but that's pretty much it. Maybe this decides where you're at. Jesus stopped working. The Bible seemed confusing, so they bail and they desert Jesus. It's at this moment, Jesus turned to the 12. The next verse, verse 67, Jesus turned to the 12, to his remaining disciples and said, are you also going to leave? Are you gonna leave too? Everyone else is leaving. When I'm not working the way you thought, whenever my words, whenever the Bible isn't exactly what you thought it was gonna be. Whenever things are tough in life, whenever there's questions you feel like you can't reconcile, are you gonna to leave too? Are you gonna to desert me? 
Are you gonna be off? Is Christianity just gonna be one of those things you did while you were a teenager because your mom made you go to church, but now that you're out, you, you've, you're past that point now. Now you're at college, right? Now you're educated. Now you know this is just a bunch of uh, myths and, and fairy tales and it's good guidance for morality, but that's pretty much it, right? That's what Jesus is asking you today. Are you going to leave? I love, and before it comes up on the screen, I love what Peter, Jesus's disciple says back to him in this moment, because what he says is the better than that we can hang our faith on. And we're gonna get more into this next week. The reason we do teaching series is because this is a series. I cannot get, man, I'll be up here all day if I wanted to really get into this. We gotta spread this out. So be back here next week so we can really dive into what the better than is. But Peter is about to drop on us what that better than is. What the better than the Bible we have out there that we can put our faith on, that we can hinge our hope to and know that it will never fall. It will never crumble. We never have to worry about it going away. This is what Peter says to Jesus. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Lord, to whom would we go? You, and the other versions say, you alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, where where would I go? Yeah, I mean, you're teaching it. I've got to admit, it confused me too. Like, I don't don't know where you were going with some of that stuff. It's hard. Some of the things you said were confusing. Some of the things you said, I can't reconcile it. Some of the things that are in here seem contradictory. Yes, some of the things in here, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it's six literal days of creation. I don't know if Adam and Eve were actual historical people. I don't know if Noah and the flood, all that stuff actually happened. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because to whom would I go? Jesus, you alone have the words that give eternal life. It's you. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. I think almost as important as what Peter said is what he didn't say. Notice he didn't say, Simon Peter replied, Lord, who would we go? You're a miracle worker. You, you, just made, you just made this huge meal and you just walked on water. We didn't forget that. We know you're gonna work like that again for us, right? Yeah, we're not going anywhere. We wanna stay and see the show. We wanna see you keep working. No, they didn't say that. Peter did not say that. And he also didn't say, Lord, to whom would we go? We have studied all of the scriptures and we know that you clearly and logically and rationally are the chosen one of God. We have seen how the prophets have pointed to you all this time and we have seen how God... For... Nah, he didn't say that. He didn't say any of that. He's, he's saying, Lord... We, we know who you are. <laughs> we, we don't need to hinge our faith or our belief on this, on the Hebrew scriptures, on, on you working the way we thought you would work. We're just, we're just following you because we know who you are. You are the better than. <laughs> You're the thing that is better than the Bible. Your life, who you are, the claims you have made, you are the Holy One of God. So that's what I wanna tell you in closing today. If you are a follower of Jesus, If you were a follower of Jesus, your faith does not rely on the Bible. It is better than that. Your faith does not rely on the Bible. And if you are someone, if you're someone who you have turned your back on Jesus, you've turned away from Christianity because you thought that it did, because you've read this and you've heard professors say certain things and and you've read scripture and you're going, man, I don't really know how this works and I can't really reconcile it. You have turned away from faith needlessly. Because your faith, the Christian faith, has never and never will hinge on the Bible. It never has. It's better than that. 
It's way better than that. Yes. Yeah, I, oh man, I can't wait to get into it next week. I'm almost like, oh, let's just, just, has everyone got time? Let's just do it today, right? But man, it does, it hinges on something so much better than scripture. So if you have ever turned away from Jesus or you're feeling that right now, I wanna tell you, you've turned away for no reason. You've turned away for no reason. There's something better out there than the Bible that you can hinge your hope on, that you can put your faith on and you don't have to worry about this happening. You don't have to worry about six days of creation. You don't have to worry about Noah and the flood. You don't have to worry about Jonah and the whale. You can take all of those things and say, hey, I don't know. All that I do know is that there is an empty tomb. That's it. That's it. All I know is there is an empty tomb. There's an empty grave. And so where would I go? Where would I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone are the one that makes dry bones rattle. You alone are the one who can bring life into a situation of death. Lord, where would I go? Wherever you're at in your walk of faith right now, I ask that you would bow your head and let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the truth of your word. We're so thankful for the Bible. God, in no way do we diminish anything about it. It is an incredible gift from you, a gift that people around the world actually right now are dying if they are found in possession of this. We do not for a moment dishonor or take your word for granted. But God, we are thankful that your word is not it. We are thankful that your word points to something better. We are thankful that your word, that your Bible, that your scriptures point to something better than it alone. It points to an empty grave. It points to a risen savior. It points to an actual historical moment that really happened. Not a great story or a fable or an allegory, an event that actually occurred that we can put our faith on, that we can believe in, and that we can put our trust and our hope in. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for the words of Peter as he points and he directs all of us to, hey, we don't have to be caught up in the emotion of the moment. We don't have to be caught up in Jesus working for us or the Bible speaking to us and have those be our guides. No, no, no. We can, no matter what season we are in, look to Jesus and know that whether it is raining or it is sunshine, no matter what is happening in our life, our hope is hinged on something better. Our hope is hinged on you and who you truly are, the Holy One of God. Lord, I ask that if there are any skeptics out there, I hope that today you, you spoke to them, that you have warmed their heart. And that door that has been shut for so long might have just inched open just a little, just a little. Maybe even the doorknob is just turned. But God, that's all you need. That is all you need. So God, please move in the heart of anyone who is hearing this today. Help them to be receptive to hearing you in a new, fresh way a way that can change their life and allow you back into a situation that they never needed to let you out of in the first place. Thank you, God, for being so good. Thank you for honoring us and all of the promises that you make. We know that you will always follow through on them and we can trust in you and we can believe in you because you are a good God. You are a good father. And we thank you for that and we praise you for that. And it's in your name that we pray today. Amen. Amen, Amen. man. I, I'm not kidding. 
Get out your phone right now. Set a timer for this time next week. Do not miss being back with us. And again, if you have anyone in your life, anyone who is a skeptic, anyone who feels unsure about faith, anyone who used to be there, but you notice they're not there anymore, send them this link. Send them this link. Tell them to be back here next week. Tell them you'll, you'll like take them out for food in 2022 whenever we're all allowed to go out again, right? Like I'll buy you lunch in two years whenever we're allowed to get lunch again. But share this with them, okay? Share this with them. There are so many people. We have lost literal generations of young people because they thought that their faith had to hinge on every single word in here, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Send this to everybody you can and be back here next week uh, as we continue this series. If you would like to dive just a little bit deeper into what we talked about today, the talking points, uh, discussion notes, they're going to be posted. Uh, You can check that out. You can go over those with your kids if you have any. Uh, Just a a way to dive a little bit deeper into the message uh, and just kind of grow a little bit more in what we were talking about today. So make sure that you do that. And also, if you're a skeptic who has taken a step forward and, and you're actually saying like, hey, I, I, I maybe want to start this relationship. I maybe want to see what this relationship with Jesus is like. I'm still unsure about this, but you know, I, I'm willing to dip my toe in the water. Please, Journey Starting Point, the host is going to post it. Connect with us at Journey Starting Point. We want to let you know what those next steps look like and how you can explore faith in a completely uh, uh, non-terrifying way. We know sometimes this can be scary, uh, but it doesn't have to be. So make sure you connect on there. And again, be back here next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever, be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.